Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This, to me, is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Well, it is Tuesday. Friends, and this is the day that uh, Donald Trump predicted over the weekend that he might be arrested. But late last night, Fox News is reporting that a source said law enforcement does not expect Trump to be arraigned until at least next week, assuming that there is actually an indictment forthcoming from the grand jury as the Manhattan grand jury, which has been meeting in secret to hear evidence for weeks, has another witness tomorrow. So we are still uh, pending the outcome. And I actually talked about that yesterday as well on my podcast podcast. Uh, you can find that at the Jenna Ellis show.com. I do a podcast in the afternoons as well to respond to uh, the day's news that, of course, we can't get ahead of here on in the morning. Um, and it was talking about uh, the Trump potential arrest. And uh, I made that prediction kind of based solely on the process issues. Um, this does take a while to get everything concluded. And then the instructions to the grand jury And then, of course, they have to deliberate and ultimately uh, make their decision uh, whether or not there is an indictment. So what is happening today on Tuesday? Well, um, there's a lot going on in New York. There were um, a couple of protests that were pro-Trump staged yesterday. Didn't really get a lot of attendance, actually. The New York uh, Young Republicans Club was probably uh, the one that was highlighted the most on social media. And um, my friend Gavin Wax is uh, the uh, the president of that club and actually does a really great job. They were one of the first to endorse President Trump when he first uh, announced. And so they got some people together, but it was definitely uh, peaceful and just went and talked to a lot of reporters. But sources actually were showing on social media and the photos that there were more reporters than uh, people who actually showed up to protest. So um, that's probably, in my opinion, actually a good thing. (laughs) I think um, everyone learned that uh, the government is willing to use any pretext against their political opponents, and um, you might not want to give them that if you are uh, going to uh, this type of protest, even on behalf of President Trump. So uh, what actually happened then with the witness yesterday that was the uh, allegedly surprise witness, uh, Bob Costello, who uh, is one of President Trump's former attorneys, and uh, was talking about and trying to undermine the credibility of Michael Cohen in the grand jury. Well, he went on Tucker Carlson last night, and this is what he said. This is cut three. When I say once in a while, he did this at least 20 times and said, guys, I want you to know, I will do whatever the... I have to do, I will never spend one day in jail. Now, what he's saying is I'll lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody. I will not spend a day in jail. Do you think a guy whose mentality is that is going to not admit that he has information on Donald Trump? But having said that, the DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up. And I, I brought it up anyway. I didn't I ignored their questions and simply gave them the information. 
So that was uh, Michael Cohen's former attorney, Bob Costello, on uh, Alvin Bragg, the DA's star witness, uh, and explaining that what Michael Cohen uh, allegedly said to him, that um, he is going to do whatever he has to do to not go to jail, which, uh, of course, we know that that ultimately didn't happen for Michael Cohen, and he was disbarred over the Stormy Daniels payment. So, you know, all of this is, uh, is of course, the facts, I think, are very different than uh, what the political fallout is going to be. And I'm going to be talking about that in the next segment with our good friend Todd Starnes. But um, to me, the the political fallout here is, is really interesting because um, if you look at the facts, and, and of course the DA in Manhattan is just twisting himself into a legal pretzel to try to get uh, this indictment through, and whether or not they're using now Bob Costello uh, to undermine their star witness, Michael Cohen, to maybe uh, give the ability to the grand jury to not return an indictment because it is so bad for the Manhattan DA politically, um, that remains to be seen. We don't know for sure if an indictment will be coming down. So it is all very premature at this point to say that we know that an indictment is coming down. We know that President Trump is getting arrested. Um, you know, all of those things are totally speculation. But the interesting political fallout here as well has been the response uh, between the kind of MAGA base and kind of what I would describe as the rest of, of the rational um, observers and the people who are looking at this from the perspective that absolutely we should not be weaponizing government ever. We should afford everyone in this country due process. No one deserves to be the target of a malicious prosecution uh, or be the target of the weaponization of government that's directed at a political opponent. I, I think everybody agrees on that, even reasonable Democrats who aren't just out to get Trump. But the response from, especially on social media, and I think a lot of this is on social media that maybe doesn't reflect the rest of our normal conversations, but a lot of the influencers on social media and even President Trump himself on Truth Social um, have been going out and just attacking Ron DeSantis for first on Saturday, not being willing to issue a statement and jump into the news cycle that had nothing to do with him, um, just saying, why aren't you talking about uh, this overt weaponization of government and you don't even care about the American people and, you know, kind of with that sort of rhetoric. And then yesterday when uh, Duran DeSantis was at a press conference for something totally unrelated. He was just conducting the business of Florida. Then he took questions afterwards, and a reporter asked him the question about what he thought about the possible pending indictment of Donald Trump. And rather than, as a lot of politicians are very adept at doing, he could have sidestepped that. He could have said, I need more facts. I'm not going to get into that right now. But he actually answered the question very directly. And yet that didn't seem to be enough for the MAGA Trump supporting base. And it was interesting to me because the big takeaway from Truth Social yesterday was that Trump and his followers are so concerned about this unprecedented attack on America that the only thing really that Trump seemed to be posting all day was about Ron DeSanctimonious. Well, so tell me again why DeSantis should be more concerned about this indictment 
than Donald Trump appears to be. And and so it was it was fascinating to me to see that as soon as DeSantis gave his response, and we're going to play that full response in a minute, and it's about it's about three minutes long, but I want you to hear it so that you can uh, hear it for yourself in the full response because the media has just been parsing this all over the place. And of course, they love to cherry pick a quote here and there and then pretend that that's the only thing that he said. Like it was just a tweet that DeSantis sent and he didn't actually address the full scope of the question. But immediately, as soon as he did that in this press conference, then the entire news cycle yesterday was about the Trump versus DeSantis war instead of focusing on the fact, well, wait a minute, aren't we all concerned here as Republicans, as conservatives about the weaponization of government? And isn't this a good thing that DeSantis is talking about this and that he actually responded and condemned Alvin Bragg and condemned the Soros-funded DA? And fun fact here, Ron DeSantis is the only governor that has actually done something about Soros DAs. He was the one, if you recall, uh, when he was first in office, when he had a state prosecuting attorney that said that in his opinion, he was going to decline to prosecute certain types of offenses that he just didn't agree with and thought that they shouldn't be uh, offenses in the state of Florida. And Ron DeSantis relieved him of his position. He was sued over it and called unconstitutional and all this stuff from the fake news media. And he stood his ground and he won. And he, and that was a Soros-funded DA. And and yet the the Trump acolytes are suggesting that somehow Ron DeSantis is totally deep state and he's a Paul Ryan Soros-funded candidate and all of these other inflammatory types of rhetoric. And, you know, and again, I mean, whether you or I support Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis eventually, he hasn't even announced yet, I think we all need to take a step back here and say, shouldn't we be focused on the true enemy here, which is the Soros prosecutor in Manhattan that is weaponizing government against Donald Trump and be actually happy that Ron DeSantis did exactly what Trump supporters were calling on him to do. He just did it, in my opinion, in a very respectful and leadership-oriented approach that he didn't jump into the news cycle and have to go on media and fight Trump for uh, the media spotlight over the weekend. He waited. And when the question was presented to him in the regular course of business, he responded like a leader does. And so this is what uh, he actually said in this response. This is cut four. Yes, ma'am. Hi, uh, Megan from the Florida Standard. Uh, we wanted to know what your thoughts are on the rumored Trump indictment and if you have any role in it. Um, if charges are brought on him, would you have any role in extradition to New York? So I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The, the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, 
I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. And in terms of um, our, 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 we are not involved in this, won't be involved in this, uh, I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA, okay? He's trying to do a political spectacle. He's trying to virtue signal for his base. Uh, I've got real issues I've got to deal with here in the state of Florida. We're obviously shutting down uh, CBDC, which is important. We've got so many things pending in front of the legislature. Uh, I've got to spend my time on issues that actually matter to people. Uh, I can't spend my time... Uh, worrying about uh, things, things of that nature. So, so we're not going to be involved in it in any way. Um, I'm fighting for Floridians, and I'm fighting back against Biden. That's what I do every single day. Yep. Governor, um, another question in terms of that. Are you aware if there has been any communication between Florida law enforcement and New York authorities if they do indict and President Trump does not go to New York for arraignment? Discussions about how he may be arraigned here in Florida since he resides here. Are you aware of any? I'm not aware of anything. So that was uh, Governor Ron DeSantis giving a very robust response to that question. So I think it was great. I think it was, might I dare say, presidential. Well, we will be right back with more with Todd Starnes right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month and you can use any Medicare approved doctor or facility and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that'll pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65 Plus. 
Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Deb Fisher of Nebraska. She is the state senior senator and has previously served in the state legislature. Acts 20:28 reminds us of the responsibility of leadership. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Senator Deb Fisher as she represents the people of Nebraska. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Spring breakers have turned Miami Beach into a war zone. Videos show hundreds of spring breakers jumping on cars, shutting down roadways. At least two people have been gunned down. One man was executed in the middle of a busy thoroughfare. Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelbert declared a state of emergency and a curfew. It's the third year in a row that spring breakers have terrorized local residents, but it's unlikely to work. Over the past two years, the city ordered police to crack down, which led to accusations of racism. The NAACP called on the police chief to resign over allegations cops roughed up spring breakers. Elsewhere, the kids are being warned to stay away from Mexico. Violent crime and cartel kidnappings there among the reasons why. But all things considered, spring breakers might be safer in Mexico than they would be in Miami Beach. Be sure to read my book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation, available at ToddStarns.com. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, we are continuing to talk about the Ides of March and uh, whether or not this particular Tuesday we'll see the unprecedented arrest of a former sitting president on really just a totally sham, politically motivated uh, possible indictment. And so our good friend and friend to the show, Todd Starnes, who, of course, has the Toddcast and uh, Todd Starnes Media, uh, read all of the headlines over there, uh, joins me now for his take. And Todd, you know, I I, uh, really don't think that Ultimately, President Trump is going to be arrested and have that whole perp walk. I think that would be totally damaging to um, the the Democrats and they're already in shambles credibility. But Trump's own attorneys have already said if there is an indictment that's forthcoming, they will cooperate and they'll just go ahead and uh, make sure that he gets up to Manhattan. So what's your take on all of this? Yeah, this gets interesting uh, because there have been some late uh, late developments that a surprise 
witness was going to testify before the grand jury, Robert Costello, who had a falling out with with Michael Cohen. They were in cahoots together. And that Costello reportedly is going to uh, introduce testimony that would contradict what Cohen had originally testified regarding Trump and this hush money um, and reportedly could could exonerate the former president so again even if that's even if that's not true Jenna uh, what we're looking at here is is in fact a misdemeanor that's how the Wall Street Journal editorial board categorized you know this um, you know, this investigation which by the way the the federal authorities chose not to even prosecute or go after Right, which just shows you how obviously politically motivated this is when you have Cyrus Vance, who, of course, was the DA in Manhattan before Alvin Bragg, and he declined to prosecute this. The feds declined to prosecute this. Now you have a Soros-funded DA that is manipulating himself into a legal pretzel to try to get something that will stick in order to indict Donald Trump. But the interesting thing here, Todd Starnes, is that um, typically for grand juries, you don't get the witnesses that are actually helpful to the defense. Um, The goal of the prosecutor is to have witnesses that help them and they want to seek an indictment. So I think it's it's a very interesting development that Alvin Bragg would even allow Robert Costello to go and even submit his testimony to the grand jury. It, yes, I, and I'm with you. That was a bit puzzling because typically the grand juries are only hearing one side, and uh, so this tell, this could tell us that maybe they're rethinking this and they need an out, um, or it could be that this is just completely unrelated. I, I do know that, according to our sources in New York, uh, they've mobilized about 700 police officers, riot police, uh, for tomorrow. Uh, all day, uh, they've been putting up these, uh, all day Monday, they were putting up the security uh, barriers, the police barricades around the criminal court building. So uh, it appears they're preparing for something, but again, until the indictment is handed down, it's all really conjecture and speculation on our part. It, it is. And I think that's why, um, in, in my opinion, Governor Ron DeSantis, who uh, responded to this whole situation only when asked by a reporter um, in the midst of a press conference when uh, he was conducting the regular course of business as governor on, on behalf of the state of Florida, when he said, you know, I don't have all the facts, so I'm not going to comment other than, of course, he bashed the Soros-funded DAs. And I thought that his response was very measured. And, and I want to get your take on that um, in just a moment. But I want to go back to what you just said about the mobilizing of all of these um, police units and the barricades and all of this. To me, the the response from President Trump to post on Truth Social, protest, protest, protest. Obviously, we have the constitutionally protected right to protest peacefully. It says that right there in the text of the First Amendment. But we've seen how the Democrats weaponized the right to peacefully and patriotically protest in the context of January 6th. So isn't Trump's rhetoric just kind of egging on his supporters in a way that we already saw a pretext for a pretty disastrous outcome on January 6th? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do know this, that it is a bad idea to get out there and protest only because uh, we have seen what the FBI and the Democrats are capable of doing. Uh, They can take something that is just entirely innocent, and the next thing you know, 
you're doing 5 to 10 in the D.C. Gulag. So my recommendation for people is to find a peaceful, nonviolent way to protest, whether it's a work stoppage. There, there's, there are plenty of other ways that you can voice your displeasure with what the district attorney is doing there. I would sincerely recommend if you get a telephone call or a text message from someone named Ray Epps, do not answer the phone and do not return the message, uh, because that could only lead to very bad things. You know, Jenna, that's it's it's I don't understand the president's motives here. What is the what's the play? Because he's not just tripling down. I think he's quadrupling down uh, on this call to protest. Uh, I appreciate the the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, coming out. And I think he struck a measured tone here, as did MTG. Uh, People are saying, do not take to the streets on this. There are other ways to voice your protest, your objections to what the district attorney is doing here. Yeah, I would agree. And there are so many other ways, um, including, you know, calling uh, your elected representatives, calling the governor's office, Kathy Hochul uh, in the state of New York. Of course, she's an elected Democrat, but, you know, she should be denouncing this politically motivated prosecution. And she has yet to comment and respond. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, and what's really interesting about this, people are asking, well, how do we get rid of the district attorney? Is there a way to recall him? There, There is not in New York. They did that in San Francisco. Francisco, and it worked out quite well. Uh, They got rid of their woke DA. But in this case, the decision is made at the governor's office. So I I don't think Kathy Hochul is is going to be too keen on firing uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg for for what he did here. And you mentioned George Soros money, a million dollars that we know of Jenna, a million dollars this district attorney received. And this is not the only DA that's going after Trump. Uh, There's a much more serious case that's being considered right now in Georgia, in Fulton County, Georgia, where you could have you could have implications of the RICO Act. So this is this is why this is such a vitally important thing for all American citizens to pay attention to. Absolutely, it is. And this is why, you know, again, more than just going out and taking to the streets, uh, my question on that is what do people think they can actually accomplish with that? Well, you know, actually accomplishing something might be putting um, the, the political pressure on Kathy Hochul through phone calls, through saying, you know, why aren't you taking care of these types of malicious prosecutions? Maybe calling, you know, the um, New York State Bar asking if they are looking into any of this type of conduct. I mean, there are a lot of different things or even, you know, funding President Trump's re-election campaign. People can donate there. I, th- I think, and I've said this openly from uh, the very beginning, that I think this is just another Russia collusion sort of narrative that um, they are the Democrats are trying to push, not because they actually care about an indictment or a conviction. They know that that's not going to constitutionally stop uh, Donald Trump. He's not going to concede and, and withdraw from the race. They just want to drain his war chest. And so they did that very effectively with all of the different hoaxes leading up to the 2020 presidential election. And I think that they're doing that here when the 2024 race for President Trump is even more critical, when I think he's having a difficult time funding his reelection campaign when he didn't have that same problem in 2020, because a lot of big donors are actually not backing him this time. That's that's a fair point. And, and I, I want 
I want to circle back to, to the Governor DeSantis's remarks, and, and I felt like they were very important. It was important for him to get out and, and address this, and it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. And I, I really do feel like his, res, his response missed the mark, and, and I'll explain why. There was a phrase, he, he refused to call Trump out by name, but that, okay, I get that. But he, he brought up the porn star hush money, and he used a specific phrase. I had Congressman Chip Roy on my program yesterday, and the congressman has already come out and endorsed Ron DeSantis, and that he used the exact same phrase in the conversation. So that tells me that's a talking point coming out of, out of Team DeSantis, and that's fine. But, but again, this is not about politics right now. This, this is an issue that transcends politics, and it requires every Republican to put aside their differences and to address these malicious prosecutions. Unfortunately, now you've got Trump uh, slinging mud at DeSantis. Uh, it is just it's ugly. It's going to get uglier. I think DeSantis could have come out and said, you know what? Uh, I don't know why President Trump is attacking me. I, I know that his people have, you know, filed an ethics complaint against me, but I'm going to put that aside for a moment and defend the former president because of X, Y, and Z. I think had he come out and said that, I think that he would be getting applause from across the conservative divide right now. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen, and, and I think we're just going to slither into this ugly, ugly uh, battle, this civil war between Trump and DeSantis. And, and Jenna, I, as, as I said on my national radio show, we have elections to run and win after 2024. We cannot be out there destroying each other. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more that the primary is going to get very ugly, especially uh, when and if Ron DeSantis does declare, which, you know, we're all anticipating that coming around June. Um, and and especially for the base and some of the rhetoric that I've seen on social media and even, you know, on the media in general, which is what a lot of people watch. I mean, you know, for all of the people nationally that are listening to this show right now, right? We, we are forming opinions. We are... Um, we are talking about these things and we are informing people's decision making. And the thing that I've continued to reiterate and have said very publicly um, that I'm going to vote for whoever is the nominee, whether that is Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis or someone else, because we can't let our focus get away from who is the real enemy here. And that is the Democrat leftists who want to destroy this country. And I don't care how bad the primary gets and the mudslinging, we need to be able to come together as conservatives and say we're going to move forward regardless of who wins and who loses. Because that's just the nature of primaries. There's a winner and then a bunch of other people who didn't get the nomination. Um, but so I think that that's very well said, uh, Todd Starnes. And you know, going back, though, to, to uh, Ron DeSantis' comments, I agree with you that the kind of jab at, you know, the porn star hush money um, could have been set aside. What I did like about his comments was that I feel like they were very measured to be focused on what he's doing in the state of Florida. And implicitly, he could have said this explicitly and said, I'm putting the ethics complaint aside and all of that. But implicitly, he said that. And he said... Um, you know, I'm focused on fighting Biden and the woke Soros DAs here. He did say that he's against the weaponization of government and these types of political prosecutions without mentioning Trump by name. And I thought all of that was really good. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the thing that I find really 
disingenuous about a lot of these people that are such ardent Trump supporters that they are going on the attack against DeSantis is that they're not even contemplating this ethics violation that the Trump pack threw against DeSantis, which I felt like that, like in all honesty, I think whoever advised Trump of that, it was a bad move because Trump was, you know, let's be honest, Todd, he was running for president for two years before he announced. Now, granted, he's not a sitting elected official in Florida, but at the same time, you know, he, he's doing the very same thing that he's now accusing DeSantis of doing. And I just think that all of this kind of low pettiness needs to stop. But I, I don't think it will. Do you? No, no, I don't. It's uh, I'm just, you know, really frustrated by all of it, to be honest with you. And the reason why is because there are so many major issues that have to be addressed. And I really do fear for the future of our country if the Democrats are given another four years in office. So I think we have to stop the unforced errors, and and I think we've got to come together for the, the better good here. And I will say this on the, you know, and, and that goes for Trump and DeSantis, but I will say this for Team DeSantis. The governor needs to take a very long, hard look at who his campaign team is, because I don't think he is being very well served by them right now. And, you know, they need to be reaching out to the base. They need to be reaching out to conservative journalists and pundits and talk show hosts. Uh, instead, they've chosen to go this other route where they bring in, you know, a select few for, you know, the gatherings at the that Four Seasons. With, and there's nothing wrong with that, Jenna, nothing wrong at all. But when you are, when you're isolating yourself from the base, that's a problem because at that point, the other side, in this case, Trump, gets to define who you are. Absolutely. And, you know, that was the exact issue that uh, Doug Mastriano in his campaign for Pennsylvania governor, I think, made that same mistake because he closed things off to the press. He refused to talk to opposition media. And so the other side, Josh Shapiro, who's now the governor of Pennsylvania, got to define him. And he ended up losing by double digits. Um, And a lot of uh, people on his team and outside of his team predicted that um, and and really came back to that being a very, very key misstep. So I would agree with you that uh, DeSantis is at least going to have to change uh, how he looks at his campaign if and when he does announce. And and I think we may see a shift in that. But, um, you know, all of this, we're going to continue to talk about Todd Starnes. Always appreciate you joining. And we're already out of time today. But definitely follow Todd Starnes on social media. Uh, follow his media where you can actually get a Christian, biblically-based perspective on the headlines at toddstarnes.com. And always appreciate you joining, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, Jenna. All right. We'll be right back with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. is great comfort found in God's providence. And this week on Truth For Life, we'll discover why God's purposes can't be thwarted. Find out how this assurance helps you live in an unbelieving world without compromising your convictions. Join Alistair Begg this week on Truth For Life.
Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. Today's Issues is American Family Radio's flagship program featuring AFA President Tim Wildman. They're going to deny this till the Lord comes back. And others, staff and friends of the American Family Association. Did they leak this? Was it intentional? Was it an accident? We want more answers. It's a part of history. You know, we need to know. Today's Issues, with the help of American Family News, making sense of the issues of the day. Weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. Professing to be wise, they became fools. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Current occupant of the vice president's mansion, Kamala Harris, was invited onto Stephen Colbert's floundering late-night television show. I'm sure you weren't one of the 12 people who saw it. But Colbert asked Ms. Harris what specifically her job was. After providing a word salad celebrating Joe Biden's performance, mm, right, uh, Colbert responded, uh, the question was, what's the job of the vice president? Harris's second non-answer follow-up showed she seems to have no idea what her job duties really are. For many, this is further evidence that she and Mr. Biden are merely frontmen. So who's really running the country? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. What if your parents abandon you? This is Bible League International. In the Philippines, three-year-old Casey was left in an orphanage by her own parents. She never saw her mother again. But enter the hope of the gospel in Grandma Nitz, who pointed Casey to Christ. Today at 18, Casey is teaching orphans to know and love Jesus, and they need Bibles in Asia. You can send one for only $5. $60 sends 12, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. This is Bible League International. Many women in the Middle East are treated as less valuable, forced to marry young, and denied an education, meaning that many cannot read or write. So Bible League is giving them the gift of literacy and dignity and showing them God's great love. Magda was asked by her husband to skip these literacy classes, but she endured and something beautiful came about. Learn what she did to win her extremist husband over. Hear it all now. It's only 15 minutes and free of charge at BibleLeague.org slash podcast. BibleLeague.org slash podcast. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. And we continue to talk about the Trump versus DeSantis uh, battle that is shaping up to just be really full of mudslinging. And of course, uh, we're talking as well about the possible pending indictment of Donald Trump and how uh, that may shape the landscape heading into 2024. So I'm joined now by good friend of the show, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who is also the host of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast, a really great uh, program. You can find him on social media at Alan West. And um, my friend, I want to talk about this, I think, from a more of a, a Christian and biblical response perspective, because I'm kind of seeing shades of 2016, where there are so many people now who, because we're all getting kind of entrenched in our camps between Trump, DeSantis, someone else, whatever, that the mudslinging is just going back and forth. I think prompted, unfortunately, in large part by President Trump and some of his followers. Um, But what, what in your mind do we need to be focused on 
at, throughout the primary so that we can maybe actually come together as a party in the general? You need to be focused on the issues. You need to be focused on the person that you can send into the arena that will be able to get this country back on track. You don't need to be focused on all the sideshow antics, but unfortunately, uh, that's what it has come to for a lot of people here in the United States of America is that they want to be entertained instead of educated and informed about the issues so they can go out and make the good and correct uh, decision and choice for America. I think that the most important thing, and, and I will be very honest, when I'm out traveling around the state of Texas or traveling around the United States of America, people don't want the drama. They know what is happening in this country. They see what has happened as far as our domestic policies, our border security policies, our foreign policy, national security policy, economic policy. It's all in the toilet. And they just want to get things back uh, on the right track, but they don't want the uh, distractions and all the sideshow stuff. So the person that can deliver uh, on those uh, those fronts, I think that's the person that's going to come out on top. Yeah, and and um and and I think that that's completely true that the person who can deliver this and actually focus on a lot of the issues will end up on top and I'm kind of seeing honestly uh, Governor DeSantis doing that to a large extent and you know whether or not his strategy changes in terms of uh, how he responds to uh, some of these attacks from President Trump, whether he um, throws a little shade back or not, um, if and when he does announce for president, I think will be interesting. But right now, um, you know, he seems to be a lot more focused on the issues, and he's actually accomplishing things in Florida and not being given uh, to this kind of media circus. And and he was slammed for that by Trump supporters over the weekend because they accused him of you know not responding to a critical national issue, and yet he did. Yesterday, in the course of Florida business, when he just responded to a question in a press conference, and I personally mm-hmm. think that was the right way to go. And so I think we're starting to see kind of this contrast in leadership styles, in media styles, and just in personality styles between DeSantis mm-hmm. and Trump. And how do you think that's going to play into uh, the 2024 primary? Well, Napoleon had a great quote. He said, never interfere with your enemy when they are destroying themselves. And so what I have always believed in that you capitalize on the the faults, the failures, and shortcomings of your opposition on the battlefield. You don't get drawn into their trap or their ambush, and you just stay focused. Uh, in, In the military, we have this tactic called a bypass criteria. You don't you know, get weighted down by, you know, a small little skirmish when you have to stay focused on the larger objective. So I think the governor DeSantis is continuing to be the governor of the state of Florida. He's getting around the country uh, as well. I think his next trip, he's supposedly going up to Iowa. He's talking about the issues that are affecting the everyday American people on top of governing the state of Florida very well. I mean, you look and see what Happened uh, his his first election, he barely won it by less than one percent. He comes back around a reelection, he wins it by uh, close to twenty percent, uh, and he flipped counties like Miami Dade County, and Palm Beach County. So that tells you that he has the ability to win on the issues and get people focused on those things, and he has a proven track record. So I would say that, again, you stay focused on what the goal and the objective is and not get pulled over uh, into some little skirmish that is not going to you know, get, get, gain you any type of advantage whatsoever. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And he has been a great governor for the state of Florida. And, you know, of course, um, I am a huge fan of Donald Trump. And I think if he gets another four years, that will be a great thing for America. But what I don't understand about his supporters who are so ardently uh, focused on just championing Trump, and I think that this is going to end up backfiring on them completely, is that they're going after a governor that actually has a really great track record on the mm-hmm. issues. And instead of focusing on the accomplishments of President Trump in his first four years and what his uh, policy and his foreign policy, I mean, things like the Digital Bill of Rights, I mean, things that he talked about with me on this program that are, are so great that we can all champion Um, They're going after and kind of mudslinging against DeSantis that I actually think puts the Trump campaign in more of a bad position than they necessarily need to be in. And I don't think that that's going to be very effective for them. And I really think that focusing on what President Trump has done for this country and what he wants to do for this country would be a much better uh, media position. But we're also um, seeing... Alan West, that Ron DeSantis, of course, is focusing on the issues. And one of the issues uh, that he actually talked about on Twitter yesterday, because he's not just myopically focusing on getting Trump or responding to, you know, the the circus of what's going on with the uh, Manhattan DA. But he tweeted this um, saying Biden's veto yesterday is why I formed an alliance of freedom loving states to combat the threat posed by ESG. Now with Virginia, our 20 state coalition will protect our citizens against powerful economic actors using uh, their financial might to impose an ideological agenda. And this, of course, comes with President Joe Biden's first uh, veto of a bill for the first time in his presidency yesterday, arguing that legislation that was bipartisan take uh, that would take away the ESG, environmental, social, and corporate governance issues into account when making investment decisions for retirement for American citizens. He vetoed that bill. And, um, you know, and this is where I think that Rhonda... In a, in a really good way, because I think a lot of people in America care about no, you're absolutely right. The politics of personal destruction is not the means by which you can achieve victory. Now, you know, you will end up, you know, gaining a few points here or there, and you think that you're making a dent into the other person's armor, but it's not going to elevate you. And, and so we have to be thinking about the long ball game. And when you look at a couple of things that recently Ron DeSantis has done in Florida, of course, they passed legislation that will not allow the gender mutil- the, the mutilating surgeries on our children there in Florida. And that got a response from President Biden. That's what we should be looking for. And then also, you know, pulling together the coalition of states against this ESG. And if you want to understand how bad ESG is, just look at Sri Lanka and how ESG destroyed their economy. And of course, the people rose up against them. So we don't need to have that, you know, forcing, you know, our investment portfolios into a certain ideological agenda. So again, these are the type of things that you want to have the grown up in the room. And that's what uh, Governor DeSantis right now is showing himself to be. And if I were to offer any counsel, just stay focused on those issues. And, you know, the border is so important because the border is now affecting everyone with the drug, the human, the sex trafficking crisis, the threats of terrorism. That's another great point. And then, of course, the what he has done for the economy of Florida and fighting against the, the COVID rampage, which the left wants to try to keep alive. Uh, he's the perfect person to stand up and, and talk about the means by which we don't succumb to that fear and that uh, government 
you know, taking over of our individual rights, freedoms and liberties, which is what COVID was all about, and upsetting our electoral integrity with all of this, you know, unsolicited mail and ballots and things of this nature. So, again, stay focused on the issues. Don't listen to the detractors out there that are trying to draw you into their uh, pit and their ambush, uh, because that's where they, they feel that they're most comfortable. I'm talking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who's also the host of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. And speaking about the uh, speaking about COVID, Biden also signed uh, a bipartisan bill yesterday that will declassify intelligence surrounding COVID origins. And uh, this was interesting to me that um, it passed both the House and Senate and directed the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to declassify intelligence related to China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. And so um, how do you think that we will actually get to uh, the truth of COVID? And it was surprising to me that the Democrats were actually willing to pass this legislation, uh, given the fact that they are still trying to continue to use this as a pretext. I mean, even Alan Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan, is trying to use COVID as a pretext to extend some of the statutes of limitations to go with this per- uh, this uh, this uh, political persecution. Yeah, well, I think the Democrats are starting to get into the 2024 political mindset, and they don't want to have certain things to work or things to work against them. Look, they have not been tough on China. And now we're starting to see more and more revelations with these bank records out there that the Biden uh, family has these financial dealings and uh, financial uh, tentacles that uh, are tied to the Communist Chinese Party and some of their entities. So they're trying to do the best that they possibly can to come clean. It's, it's going to be too little, too late, because think about all the horrific things that they did on social media, on, on other platforms, uh, the things that they did in the traditional media to squash anyone that came out and spoke up and said that, you know, this is not a thing about a wet market and a pangolin or or, or some bats. This is something that was manufactured. So I think that they know that they have got to try to get on the right side of this issue, but I believe it's going to be too little too late. Yeah, and, and that's a great point that they hope that the American people in the voting base have a really short-term memory. And so they're oh, trying to <laughs> to go back and say, oh, no, 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 that wasn't us that caused all of the shutdowns. And, you know, that's another thing that uh, I think that the, the Trump camp is – maybe unwisely trying to to attack Governor DeSantis with and saying, you know, oh, well, he shut down Florida. And well, you know, everybody did for a couple of months. I mean, even a lot of the churches, even churches I represented, um, like John MacArthur's out in California. But then he was one of the ones that opened up Florida, um, opened up his state as soon as possible. And, um, the, you know, the free state of Florida was was great during um, during the pandemic, kind of the, the farce as we continued to see what was going on. And I mean, I visited Florida a number of times during that just because, you know, you didn't have to wear masks. You didn't have to do all of this other ridiculous yeah. nonsense. Um, so so well, the, 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 the Trump base needs to be very careful about where they're treading on this, because it was President Trump that, you know, pushed the narrative about, you know, let's have you know the two weeks of, of 
you know, uh, bending the curve, and and that's what Governor DeSantis followed. You know, we did get Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks because of the Trump administration and some of these other things. So they better be very careful about how they're trying to point the finger at someone else. And you're right, Florida came out of this thing, you know, long before anyone else. And look at all the angst that Governor DeSantis got from the progressive socialist left, but he maintained his guns, and Florida came through uh, the whole COVID incident with shining colors. And on top of that, with the incredibly large senior population that you have in Florida, you did not have the disaster that you had in New York with Governor Cuomo. So, I mean, be careful about going down a certain path because it could come back to haunt you. Yeah, that's a really great point, Ellen West, about uh, Florida's population and how we didn't see uh, the disaster that uh, that I think actually ultimately led to the resignation of Andrew Cuomo. They tried to use that pretext to me to him out of office, but I really think it was because the Democrats didn't want to have the PR disaster of having him have to answer for the nursing home fiasco. And, you know, you even see um, some of these uh, other governors in blue states like Gretchen Whitmer, who's now kind of walking back. Oh, yeah her COVID tyranny. And so they are, I mean, they are preparing for the 2024 cycle. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time talking about kind of the Trump versus DeSantis. But, um, you know, as you and I have talked about previously, I mean, the Democrats really don't have any winning issues. They don't have any Mm -hmm. winning candidates moving forward into 2024. Um, But whether they run Joe Biden again or someone else, I mean, what can they possibly run on in terms of accomplishments of their ideology and their president over the last, you know, two and then as we continue to be almost four years until the election? They, they have nothing. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, Jen Psaki this past weekend on her uh, middle of the day Saturday MSNBC show saying that the, the left should wave the woke flag. That shows you how desperate they are. That's not going to win them any election. And, you know, you can't run Gavin Newsom. I mean, California is a mess. Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan, she's destroyed Michigan. I mean, they don't have anyone. Uh, Pritzker in Illinois. So, again, the most important thing that we need to look at our side is to have the person that can be above the fray and have the person that can stay focused on the issues and cannot be dragged down into the sideshow antics, into the, into the circus. And I think that's what the, uh, the primary on the Republican Party side is going to come down to. Who is the person that can just stay focused on going after the Democrats, be on offense, and really all of their you know, personal attacks, it does not phase them. Yeah, so well said. Well, Alan West, thank you so much for joining me again. You can find him on social media at Alan West and the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. And, you know, I would just encourage everyone out there as you are getting into this primary, whether you support Trump or DeSantis or someone else or however we end up looking at the primary just don't stoop to the, the personal attacks. Keep this above the fray. Keep it focused on issues. And at the end of the day, remember that we're going to have different opinions of who we support. That's okay. We need to focus on the issues from a biblical worldview perspective. I'm Jenna Ellis. This has been Jenna Ellis in the morning. See you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.